0: Our New Testament passage comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4. God is still speaking. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common, With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On Wednesday... This week, I was reading the latest edition of Richmond's local independent paper, Style Weekly. Perhaps you saw it. In it is an article called The Faces Next Door, which gives voices to several citizens who are involved in a campaign called The Power of Home. Five of these citizens wrote letters that are published in Style Weekly this past week. These letter writers are also Richmond residents in local housing projects. I encourage you to read all five letters. They each speak to a particular experience that is illuminating, a story we might not have heard before. But here is one letter that stood out to me as I was reading it alongside our Acts passage this week. This letter is from Patrice Shelton, the president of the Hillside Court Tenant Council. She's also a community health worker. She writes, Dear Richmond, Some residents come to Hillside Court because they have to. Some come because they weren't taught differently. Some come for a stepping stone and then they go on. I came eight years ago as a stepping stone. My kids were in eighth grade and twelfth grade and I was between jobs. It was going to be get in, get a job and get out. Then I ended up getting severe arthritis and couldn't do a lot of standing. Leaving Hillside right away wasn't what God wanted for me. I joined some groups in Hillside just to get out of the house, but those groups were really working to connect the community. I started out with Embrace Richmond and AmeriCorps and then founded a nonprofit, the Hillside Court Partnership, even though I had never done anything like that before. So many organizations come into Hillside and then leave. But my thing has always been to follow through. Once I get started, we keep going until we make it happen, and we make sure the community has ownership. In 2013, the Hillside boys who played football came to me and said, "Miss Patrice, why do we have to play at Blackwell or Bellmead? Why can't we play at Hillside? So that was my first thing, to make sure they could play for Hillside. The first team we had was the Soldiers. The kids came up with the name. They were underdogs going in with so many obstacles living out here. They said if they could get through those things, they were soldiers. We had coaches from the community who had never coached before. The kids had whole seasons where they never won a game and whole games where they never scored at all, but they kept coming back. That's a soldier. You keep fighting no matter what. You stay committed. There has been so much negativity tied to Hillside in the past and to public housing in general. Our sports teams have given Hillside a real positive to focus on. Parents, brothers, uncles, and neighbors, some who had done bad but fixed their lives, stepping up and trying to teach kids self-control and self-worth. I gave those things to my own kids, and now I'm working to make it possible for these kids. That's what it is to be part of a community. People like to stereotype public housing residents, but we're not all criminals or dropouts or gangbangers. We're not all utilized for baby-making. Like most places, Hillside is a work in progress. Investments take time. People want to drop off donations, but we'd rather see them come and volunteer, be a listening ear, coach a team or lead a group, bring a class here. Don't assume people in public housing aren't interested. I'm trying to get my community to widen their thoughts, widen their dreams, and know their rights as residents and as humans. I want people in Hillside to know that their voice with numbers can take them far and create change. I work every day to support Hillside, and I am proud to be part of this community. Ms. Patrice Shelton's story reminds me of the disciples in the early church, The disciples who fill the book of Acts, which comes immediately after the Gospels. Miss Shelton thought she had a clear plan, but things changed in her life dramatically. Her health, her work, her home did not end up how she expected, and she had to figure out what to do next. She didn't disengage or disappear. She didn't stay hidden in disappointment in her home. She reinvested her resources. She recommitted her time and her energy. Investments take time, she writes in that letter, and she knows this personally. The disciples, too, had to learn this. The disciples thought they were on a certain trajectory following Jesus of Nazareth, but then they encountered devastation and horror and torture and tragedy. They heard Jesus betrayed by the crowds. They watched him nailed up on the cross by the Romans. The disciples saw their own feet and voices fail them. When Jesus was arrested, instead of remaining steadfast, faithful followers, almost all of them fled the scene and stayed silent. They, the disciples, had to face the fact that they were not as invested in this ministry as they had thought they were. And then the marvel, the wonder, the miracle of Easter, Jesus returned to them. And he returned not as a ghost or as a spirit or as some ethereal image floating in the air. Jesus came to them as flesh and blood, with wounds from the nails in his hands, with loving words spoken in a voice they knew oh so well. Jesus came to them and said, "'Peace.'" My peace I give to you, peace be with you. Jesus forgave them, forgave them for their failures, their transgressions. Jesus reached out to them, not with rebuke and judgment, but with love. The gospel passage often read on this day, the first Sunday after Easter, is that of Jesus inviting Thomas to reach out and touch his side and his hands for himself, Jesus' invitation leads Thomas to proclaim, my Lord and my God. The resurrection of Easter changes everything. And now we get to the book, The Acts of the Apostles, which is a book full of drama, long journeys, and rousing speeches, shipwrecks, jailbreaks, close escapes in the night. But the drama happening throughout the book of Acts is also internal, The disciples, women and men, are doing a lot of internal work. They are starting to form a church, and this takes a lot of emotional, spiritual, psychological strengthening. They are figuring out what it means to stick with each other, to stand by each other. They are figuring out how to be community when their leader has left. They're figuring out how to stay focused on Jesus' teaching when he's no longer there making them pay attention. They are figuring out how to care for each other when Jesus is no longer there making them get along. These women and men of the early church are learning how to take another step forward in faith, and then another, and then another. Throughout this book of Acts, the disciples don't always get it right. But now and again, they do. They do succeed in building a community that looks like the church of Christ. And here in Acts 4, where all are one heart and soul with not a needy person among them, as they share all they have, here they get it right. There's a shocking story after this passage, which we just heard, One disciple, Barnabas, does what is faithful. He sells all he has and he shares it with the community and he is celebrated. But then two disciples, Sapphira and Ananias, do something unfaithful. They hide what they have, they lie about it, and they drop dead on the spot. These stories and acts are dramatic and indeed sometimes they can seem overly dramatic. Yet what these stories drive home What this scripture passage reveals is that for this early church, these matters of money and property are a matter of life and death for their community. These men and women of the early church are only a couple of dozen of Jesus followers in the whole world, maybe a hundred the most. They are figuring out if the church will survive and grow. They are trying to make sense of this new chapter of faith this new season of community. It isn't easy. It requires the commitment, the investment of all of their members. Each individual decision someone makes about personal property or money is a life-and-death decision for the church. We, too, are in Eastertide. We, too, are being asked what we're going to do next, what we're going to invest in now. We too live in a time after the euphoria of the resurrection. And perhaps it wasn't last weekend, but perhaps another time in your life, you have felt the highs of religious faith, the exaltation, the euphoria of Easter. Perhaps you have crested a mountain and given thanks to God for the glory of a sunrise. Perhaps you have sat at a table laden with the people and the food that you love and enjoy, savoring the goodness of that fellowship. Perhaps you have laughed long and hard with joyful exhilaration, much as the disciples must have done when they felt the wonder of the resurrection pierce their darkened, grief-filled spirits. Perhaps you, like the disciples have experienced these wondrous, beautiful, transformative moments of faith when you knew that the resurrected Christ was with you, right there beside you. Yet we, like the disciples, have all experienced an after. There is always an after. And so after Jesus has gone from our sight, after we've descended from the sunlit mountains after the person at the table starts filling us with irritation rather than joy, after the gifts of the community start to chafe rather than exhilarate, what do we do? What do the disciples do after the light of the resurrected Christ has faded from their sight? They gather together. They gather together to learn again how to dream how to hope, how to love each other. They gather to learn again how to commit and recommit, how to invest and reinvest in Christ's vision for the world. They gather together and decide to build a church. Christ is no longer with them in the ways that they are used to. Their ministry looks different. Their community looks different. They need to figure out how to be together, how to build something that will last, that will continue to share Christ's words and witness with more and more people. They have to learn how to love each other, not just in the moments of jubilation, but afterwards when reality starts to set in. Acts 4 shows that they seem to have found their groove, at least for a little while. And it is interesting to note that they are Building a community not just around the good words of inspiration that they share. And they are building a community not just around the good, nice acts of charity. They are building community around investments of time, energy, money, property, self, relationships. They are building a community around the core of the disciples' very lives. And there is not one needy person among them. Will Willimon, the former dean of Duke Chapel, bishop in the Methodist Church, who has come and preached here with us, writes, the most eloquent testimony to the reality of the resurrection is not an empty tomb or a well-orchestrated pageant on Easter Sunday. The most eloquent testimony is rather a group of people whose life together is so radically different, so completely changed from the way the world builds community. The disciples are in a new chapter. They need to rethink their old way of doing things. They need to rethink their former ways of being in relationship with each other and with Christ. In the Church of Christ, we can no longer rank people by their assets or their capital resources or even their affability. Instead, we need to claim you. You have been called by God. We need something that you bring to us. Please join with us and participate in our community and share with us your God-given gifts. In the Church of Christ, we can no longer tune out or turn off when something makes us uncomfortable, when something challenges us. We instead need to ask what is the Holy Spirit doing inside me in this moment? In the church of Christ, we can no longer expect to show up, be entertained, and then continue on with life as usual. We have to ask, what is Christ calling me to invest in, to commit to, to care about here and now? We do not always live up to the church of Christ, that is for sure. But we must keep trying, keep striving, keep reaching for that vision, that hope, that grace. The disciples know that this work is hard. They know it will be hard to build a church after the excitement has faded. It is hard to build community. You have to commit to each other, commit to a vision through hardship, through injustice, through petty annoyances and persistent indignities. The disciples need to learn how to invest in each other, in God's vision for their lives and for the life of the world. And we see this example play out in people like Patrice Shelton who commits herself to building up her community even when the world passes it by, even when the public and the private sector have given up on it, even when other groups come and go without sticking around for a while. People like Patrice Shelton have stayed. As she says, I'm trying to get my community to widen their thoughts, widen their dreams, know their rights as humans and citizens. I want people at Hillside to know that their voice with numbers can go far and create change This is what the disciples of our early church wanted as well. I wonder what season of life you are in. I wonder what season of life you are about to enter. I wonder what work of community building you are being invited into. I wonder where you've experienced the resurrected Christ and what happens after that. After Jesus left, the disciples could have so easily just drifted apart, go on back to their homes. Instead, they reinvested in their community. They recommitted to each other. They decided to build a church from a couple dozen women and men. They put their money where their mouth was. They didn't stay hidden, hoarding their resources They shared what they had. They offered what was needed. They gave their property and possessions. They shared stories and scriptures. They offered trust and commitment to each other. They learned how to dream and hope and love together and how to share this hoping, dreaming love with the whole world. And the world has never been the same since. Thanks be to the living Lord. Let us pray. Lord, you call us together and you draw us onward into your resurrection light. We are your disciples. We are your children. We strive to follow you, to commit to you, to invest in your vision for our lives, our community, and our world. And we pray all these things because you have come among us and show us what it is to be with us. Show us how to be with each other. In your holy name. Amen.